Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this is Create a Generation. Create a generation of hype. Ant, I have a challenge for you. I want you, I challenge you to do the whole intro by yourself. Can I play your part as well? You can't. Go for it. Ant, you're amazing, says Fred. On this week's Career Generation, we're talking to Brett from YouTube channel How Ridiculous, one of the most epic challenge channels on YouTube. When Disney XD approached us, they said, we want to do this series, and, and we got well and truly slayed on our channel in the comments for it. And right, so, because it wasn't us, it was it was someone telling us what to say, and there was a script, and you know, it was it was no good. All the bits where <laughs> I'm talking about myself in the third person is, uh, is, is me being Fred. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Remember, we also have Change of College, which is going to help you become an even better YouTube creator. And you can find it at changeacollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R, college.com. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Brett, thanks for joining us on Creator Generation. No worries. It's good to be here. Right, um Let's kick things off as we always do. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, my name is Brett Stanford. I'm one of the three guys from the YouTube channel How Ridiculous. So I guess that's part of what I do. Um, but beyond that, um, I'm also husband, um, father to two girls who are both under the age of two. So I'm not at work. I'm very much still at work. <laughs> awesome. And for those who don't know, what is How Ridiculous? Well, How Ridiculous is the name we somehow came up with for our YouTube channel uh, 10 years ago when we started in 2009. And, um, yeah, our, our channel is constantly evolving as sort of you've got to be in this space. But, um, yeah, we, we're known, I guess, early on we were known for doing trick shots, uh, world records, sporting sort of videos. And then as times evolve, we've... Um, yeah, we've changed to making videos, different styles, different challenges, different experiments, um, travel stuff. And yeah, that's pretty much what Harry Ridiculous is in a nutshell. So it's me and my two good mates, um, Scott and Derek. Just uh, going back, um, I was looking, having a look through your channel. You've got some, I mean, pretty old I mean, videos. You've been doing this a long time, like 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and how did, I mean, you started, when you, were you in school when you started? I, I was in university, so I was studying to be a physiotherapist um, and uh, Scott was in high school. Derek is the same age as me, so he was just doing some work. Um, and, yeah, it sort of started all just out of, I guess, YouTube sort of just becoming a bit of a thing. Like I, I must admit I didn't watch a heap of it back then and it was nowhere near as popular or as well-known as it is now. Um, but we started seeing some trick shot videos sort of emerging and, um, given we love sport and we sort of had that Australian mindset of, you know, like, oh, if people are doing it in America or wherever, we can sort of just give it a go. <laughs> and so that's that's pretty much what we did. We just grabbed basketballs, went to each other's houses and started throwing them around and filming it with a digital camera I think we borrowed from someone's sister or something. <laughs> we had no experience in making videos at all and, you know, we didn't really have any idea what we are doing. We are just sort of just trying to make make a shot and then once we made it like what can we do next what's another one and yeah that was like the first video in september 2009 i think we put it out right so really a while ago and did it did it take off yeah. straight away no it didn't um i think i mean it depends what you d- define as take off but you know we had no aspirations to be youtubers or not that youtuber was really a thing back then but we we didn't really think anything of it it was just a bit of fun and um we, we put it up and I think our family and friends sort of, you know, liked it and shared it around and no one had really seen trick shots um, much. Like there was a pretty new thing, whereas now, you know, everyone's seen a million of them. It's hard to be impressed. But back then it was it was quite a new thing to see people throwing a basketball over, over their roof and getting it in. <laughs> but people shared it and I reckon it got to probably a few thousand views and we were pretty, pretty stoked with that. We couldn't really believe that that many people had seen it. And me and my mate Derek, um, sort of joked around that we would have a party if it got to 10,000 views. <laughs> so that, that was sort of the level we were at at that time. And, uh, and how, did the, how did the channel grow? I mean, where did it go from, um, from there to sort of where it is now? Like how did that trajectory happen? Yeah, it's, it's been, I mean, you know, we've been doing it for 10 years. So um, to give you an idea of a bit of the timeline, I think in 2015, I reckon we had about 100,000 subs. So that's, what, six years um, and then, you know, 2017, we hit a million and now 2019, we're at five and a half. So it's been pretty crazy growth the last few years. 
Um, and there's lots of reasons for that. I'm sure we'll get into it, but, um, it didn't take off. I mean, we didn't, we didn't make another video until the middle of 2010. So it was like nine months later that we decided to, you know, finish basking in the glory of our <laughs> first video and get out and do something more. And we, um, there's a big bridge in Perth that runs over the river with a city skyline in the background. And we thought it'd be really cool to make a basketball shot from that bridge. And, um, you know, we thought taking it from our backyards to somewhere bigger was sort of like the natural next step. And so we went out there and we literally had four basketballs and we spent all day trying to make a shot and we didn't even get it. <laughs> it was it was funny because looking back, I was like, oh, we could have given up. We could have just said, nah, you know, like too hard. Who spends a whole day trying to make one shot and doesn't make it? But we decided to go back again, um, which has been a bit of a theme, I guess, for us over the years has been just willing to persevere and push on when probably – more rational people might give up. Um, back again another day and um, we actually made, I think I made the shot, but Scott, it's funny because this is where we're up to, right? We had a digital camera with a, you know, I don't know how big the memory cards back then were. They were probably dealing with megabytes, not even gigabytes. And I remember we had to continually delete files because <laughs> it would fill up. And so, you know, after the first day, Scott had had this brainwave and he didn't run it by me because I would have objected to it strongly. But he figured out that if we dropped the quality of the video like right down, we could fit way more clips in and we'd have to delete less often. And so we make the shot and then we go back to the house to review the footage after like some celebratory Hungry Jacks or something and <laughs> on the computer and like it's like 176 by 100 video. Like it's just so it's like pixels and we're sort of, you know, trying to look in and you can't even see it. And it was just so devastating because we'd spent two days on this thing. So we had a third time, make sure the quality was right up to that 720p, which is as good as you could get at that time. And, um, yeah, we made the shot and, um, yeah, that was probably like our first sort of going outside of the home, you know, stunt. Not that, you know, not that we um, did it by the book necessarily. And then our local news station, Channel 7, saw the video somehow, somehow got in touch with Scott. I think they called him on his home phone, which I don't know how they got his number or knew who he was. Um, but, uh, yeah, then they said to us, you know, do you guys want to, you know, come and do something at the stadium, whether they play the footy at, at Patterson Stadium um, from the top of the grandstand? And we thought that was, a, you know, a dream, really. We could never organise that ourselves. And we went there and they basically their angle was like, let's see if these guys can sort of perform on our cameras, like not, you know, to make sure they're not faking it with their, you know, rubbish cameras at home. And we went there and we were pretty worried because we'd taken a few days to make this shot at the bridge. It was only like, I don't know, 15 metres high. Um, admittedly, we've been throwing as far as we could, but it still wasn't that high. Now we're going to the top of this grandstand at the stadium and um, we had all day there and my, and my mate Scott went first. He went up to the very top and he made it on his fourth shot. And so the, everyone yeah. went away. We were so excited. And you can see it's it's, uh, it's on the news. It's on our YouTube channel. It's one of our earliest videos, this, this news segment. And then we had it all day. So we thought, okay, let's just keep making let's just keep making shots. So I decided, okay, I'll make one backwards. And I think on my second go, I made one backwards from the grandstand. Um, and we just kept dropping these shots in. It made us look like absolute superstars. You know, like the news camera just couldn't believe how good we were. And we were like, yeah, this isn't, you know, all happening all the time. Um, and that story got picked up across, you know, not just in WA, but because it was such a good story, it then went to Nationwide and then it got picked up by partners of Channel 7, so it was on CNN. And all of a sudden we had people all over the world seeing this segment that we were making basketball shots at our stadium here in Perth and, that was probably the first like little kickstart we got to you know give us this exposure and um, we'd we'd named the first video how ridiculous because that's sort of you know one of the guys who edited it was just that's what he thought you know how ridiculous is this so he just said how ridiculous as the title and I remember sitting down as a team after that Channel Seven video and they'd referred to us as how ridiculous and we sort of become a bit of our name and we were like oh is that really what we want to be called like is it that good is it dud and we had a bit of a, you know, chat and think and, like, we literally could not think of anything else, so we just ran with it. And <laughs> now, that, you know, it's still that to this day, so it was a pretty cool um, start to the story. And so that Channel 7 video was about um, a year and a bit after that first video. So at that point we still only had three videos on our, on our channel. What was your skill level like when you started doing this? Were you guys just freak athletes? I'm like, no, nah, I mean, we weren't. I mean, we like, we, I'd say we're all naturally 
um, you know, able at sports. Like we're all pretty good at sport. We have our different niches. So myself and Derek have played basketball um, at decent levels. Um, I just finished playing in the Waffle, which is like the state league footy. Um, not that I was that good. I, I gave up, but and quite a good cricketer. So we all had these natural abilities in sport, and I think that was obviously why we, you know, were doing it because we love sport and we, we actually felt like we were decent at it. But, you know, the things we were doing, no one in the world, you know, like Steph Curry couldn't just make that, you know, but because he wants to. You know, like there's just too much oh, random. I don't know, it's Steph Curry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I couldn't rule out Steph. But, yeah, there was obviously an element of it that was just sort of, you know, just throw it and give it a go. And then, you know, if you throw it too long, throw it a bit less hard. Like it's we were literally just winging it basically. Um, awesome. And. We had decent hand-eye coordination, but I think the video that won it at the stadium showed us off better than we probably were. And then, and what, at what point did you decide then, okay, this is something you want to actually continue doing long-term? Well, I mean, at that time, you know, we were still sort of – we had different careers. A couple of guys had just finished school, um, you know, and th- there was no real – there was no revenue stream. We weren't making any money out of it. And, in fact, actually, at that time, we, we were completely behind a, a charity. So one of the reasons the news um, – loved us so much is because in our first videos we actually decided that we wanted to use our videos to make a difference in the world and um, all of us actually met at church so that was our background and, and our friendship that was where we'd sort of all known each other and an organization we're all familiar with was called compassion and they were they're all about releasing children from poverty particularly you know um, in third world countries and you can do that through child sponsorship and we all had children that we sponsored and we've since been able to visit and that was a big part of our journey early on and, and, and still is to this day, if you look at all of our descriptions, that's still a part of what, we, what we're all about is supporting them and trying to make sure that everyone knows they can you know, make a difference in the world in some way. Um, so at that time we weren't looking to make money. There was no real idea that this could become a job because there was no way to see how that could really happen unless someone magically knocked on the door and said, you know, we'll give you a TV show or something. So really all we, all we did was just think about what can we do next? What's our next idea? Um, you know, at that time, basketball shots was all we were doing. So the natural thought was, okay, what's our next basketball shot we can do? And so we basically started just looking around Perth at landmarks and different buildings and, you know, just trying to think of what we could do next really. And over the next six months, that's pretty much all we did really. We just, um, you know, got permission. We had a bit of street credibility because of that that um, segment on Channel 7. A few people knew us and we could at least use that as a bit of evidence that we were something above the average um, in terms of, you know, our notoriety. And, yeah, we, we just did videos. So we – and probably the culmination of that little season was the next year um, when we did a shot off the light tower at the Wacker. Um, which is the cricket ground in Perth, and it was about 66 metres, and it was actually a Guinness World Record for the highest basketball shot um, at the time. And so we did that in partnership with Ironet, who came on as like this really, now that I look back on it, really minor sponsor, but they gave us some basketballs and they helped sort of organise a hoop and, and give us access to the to the whacker to do that shot. And, um, yeah, that was like a cool, I guess a cool moment for us because we got the certificate from Guinness and, it was like a cool little uh, end to, you know, we've done most of the cool things we could probably do in Perth with basketball and, you know, that was a great first season. But we still didn't really think that this could become a job. We were still, you know, pursuing careers. And you know, I was a physiotherapist by that time. I was working in a clinic and the other guys were at uni or working as well. And this was just something we did as a hobby in our spare time. Right. And it, it all grew from there. And then you just kept getting bigger and bigger in terms of what you wanted to do. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's been a long time. You know, that was still 2011 when we made that first world record and, you know, we didn't actually do it as a job um, until 2015. So probably for quite a few years it was just about new ideas, um, you know, doing what we could. We, we branched out to other sports. We started doing things with footy and bowling and soccer and all these different things. Um, and every now and then a cool opportunity would come our way that someone would reach out to us through our website and say, you know, do you want to do this? And so we got to do a new world record shot in the Netherlands off a tower there with a company in 2013, I think it was. That was just under 100 metres. Um, in 2014, I got I got the opportunity to do a being a World Cup commercial for McDonald's doing soccer trick shots because we'd done a soccer trick shot video and 
So there was these little things that were still happening. Well, you know, maybe not so little, but it was still just a hobby. And, you know, every time we went away, we needed to get time off work. And, mm. and it wasn't that big. We weren't getting that many views. It didn't have, you know, AdSense was pocket money really at best. And all we got, we just invested back into more videos. And um, Yeah, probably up until 2015, it was pretty much just a spare time hobby, work at it, do, do the best we could, but there was still no real dream or goal to do it as a full-time job. Right. No, when we when we chat to um, emerging YouTubers, one of the most popular things, the categories, is the, the challenge category. People really do 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 love that, and they feel it's an accessible one. But you know, the guys at the top really do it well. And I mean, there are a couple of guys who are really well known. You know, the Do Perfects and the um, Team Edges and that kind of thing. Yeah. How do you how do you compare yourself to them, and how do you set yourself apart from those guys? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so Dude Perfect, you know, were probably one of the groups that were making trick shots back when we started that we saw their first video. And I think they started about um, five or six months before us. And um, there was a few other groups as well. And particularly early on as Dude Perfect grew and we were obviously not getting the same level of coverage they were getting, there was definitely a lot of, you know, you're copying them and you're copying them. And even though they weren't the first to do trick shots or, you know, it wasn't like they didn't come up with it, but it was just... It's something that we've we had to deal with a lot, um, and I think probably over time, where we've where we've arrived at is just just to do run our own race, really. Um, you know, be ourselves, make sure that we continue to um, just act the way we act, embrace the fact that we're Australian, don't try and be American or try and don't try and be anyone else, just be who we are. Um, don't be afraid to try ideas that people haven't done before. Don't feel like we've just got to keep copying people, and I think that's probably where we've able to. Well, where we've been able to make our um, differentiation from those other groups is that we've just done different things over the over the journey, um, and we've we've been willing to try new types of content and not just stick to things that people are already doing. Um, and that that's probably come about in the last sort of four, three or four years, I think, particularly where now no one would sort of comment on us that we're copying anyone. You know, it's just mm. us doing our own thing. And in fact, if other people do stuff like us, they'll probably People will probably tell them they're copying us, <laughs> um, which is part of the luck of being, you know, I guess being a bigger channel. And do you guys know each other, the Dude Perfects and the Team Edge guys? We've had a bit of contact with them. So we we call it, so we we collaborated with Team Edge this year. Actually, we did a couple of videos with them in in the US. So we we went over there and we wanted to do a couple of different videos with a few different channels, and we've been following them for a while. And their um, their church guys like us, we've got a pretty similar sort of value set, and they're. Yeah, they have a lot of fun and obviously their channel has done well over quite a long time now. So yeah, we went we went to their um went to their place and did a collaboration with them and had a heap of fun. Um so yeah, we know them pretty well now. Um and do perfect. Um uh, they've been really supportive, I reckon, of us over the journey. So even when we first started, they would comment on our videos and, you know, say like this is awesome or whatever. And I think because they had done some stuff with Compassion, the organization I spoke about earlier as well. So I think there was a there was um you know a fondness, I guess, of the things we were about that aligned with them as well. And um yeah, even up until this year, we still had contact with them and we Skyped a couple of times. And look, we've always wanted to collaborate with them, but I guess the gap in our channels is so big now, and they're obviously one of the biggest in the world, um, that you know it's it's unlikely that we'll be able to make that happen um at this time. But Certainly we've been able to have some chats with them and, um, you know, I remember a while ago they encouraged us to make sure we keep trying new things and I think in the back of my mind that was a, a good reminder that we can't just keep doing trick shots forever. We've got to try different content and different things to help us, you know, be able to go um, well into the future rather than just sort of pitter out with no ideas. That I mean, that is a, a, an interesting area because, like, how do you evolve to the next thing? I mean, if it's all trick shots, what is, like, in you know, in the world of challenges, how do you diversify your content? Oh, I mean, I think simply you just try new things. It, it's it's not, I mean, it's it's pretty simple, but I guess the idea is, is the hard part. And also I think it's a risk to go outside what you used to, um, you know, because you know people that are subscribed to your channel up to a particular time they love you for what you do they they know the videos from the past that's why they've jumped on board that's why they comment that's why they like that's why they share it with their friends so to then change your content is a risk because you're thinking well maybe if those people don't like it they might jump ship um but i think for us we sort of realized that you know it was a risk that was worth taking and 
even for our own creativity and just keeping it fresh, I think it's important to do things, um, new things pretty regularly. Um, and I guess my advice from our experience would be when you do do new things, you know, don't, don't completely change it like drastically, you know, sort of merge them together, start bringing in new ideas, you know, sort of in drips and then see how it goes, you know, gauge your feedback, gauge the performance of the videos, gauge your enjoyment of the process of making them. And if they sort of all add up, then, you know, keep doing it more. And I guess from our perspective, you know, what we're probably most known for now is not trick shots. And, in fact, if we do a trick shot video, everyone's like, Are you, you're the new dude perfect, and they don't know that we did trick shots for six years. Um, every, a lot of people would know us as the guy who's, guys who drop stuff on stuff from our tower or from a dam or from wherever. Um, yeah. because that was a content series we tried and it was really successful and so we've just run with it for the last few years and we're at a yeah. point now where it's, it's, it's still doing really well but we've got to look to the future and think, okay, you know, that's not going to be our thing forever. How can we continue to develop other ideas as well? I think that's how I first saw you was the, the, the dam and the bowling ball uh, video. Yeah, I mean, that's our biggest video. I think it's just about to top or has already topped 50 million views, you know, which is just huge. Yeah. Actually, your videos are also the reason why I learned about the Magnus effect. You know, I'd always yeah. seen it, but I'd never really realized what I was looking at. And then I saw it and I'm like, wait a minute. That makes sense. And I started yeah. researching it and I'm like, holy moly, this is actually, like, this explains so much about how everything works. Yeah, it does. And actually, the Magnus effect is a really interesting one because it probably illustrates a, a cool point about trying new things. So we. We were doing a new world record shot in 2015 and we were, we were partnering with a, a, a um, TV show here in Australia called Sunday Night, um, which is like a big sort of current affairs show. Um, and they sort of helped make this thing happen at this dam in Tasmania. It was 125 metres and we'd wanted to do it for ages to see if we could break that 100 metre mark. Actually, before, before we do, can you just explain what the Magnus Effect actually is so people... Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, the Magnus Effect is basically, um, it's a scientific term that uh, describes the effect... Of a, of a ball when it spins and falls. So it, it basically, I mean, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not the one to best explain it, but basically it explains, you know, why when you kick a soccer ball with different spins, it'll curve one way or it will spin down or it'll spin up. And it explains why people, when they're shooting basketballs, they, they shoot with backspin. So if you watch Steph Curry shoot, you know, he shoots and it, the ball's got backspin. It's because it actually carries further and it flies and, um, so we were always interested in the effect of spin because when you throw basketballs off really high buildings, you know, we noticed that if you give it a bit of spin in different directions, whether intentionally or not, it really exaggerates it and it misses by a long way. So when we made the shot off the dam in Tasmania, we actually decided, okay, we have this dam for a few more hours. Let's just drop a few balls with different types of spin and see what happens as a way of demonstrating to our followers about you know, what we have to deal with because normally they just we just used to show them the one that went in. We didn't show any misses. So people just assumed it went straight all the time. And anyway, we dropped a ball without spin and sort of drops down and does a bit of a knuckleball, sort of goes all over. And then we dropped one, literally just dropped it with some backspin. And it just takes off, you know. It looks like it's falling and then it just goes on this almost exponential curve. It looks like it's going almost horizontal by the end. And we were amazed and we sort of, in our heads thought this is actually really cool footage, but it was, you know, all we did was put out trick shots and successful makes. So it was like, oh, what are we going to do here? And um, we had a bit of a relationship with a science channel called Veritasium, who um, was another Australian creator, although he's actually from Canada, but he was living in Australia. And we reached out to him. He was a lot bigger than us at that time. He would have had a couple of mil subs. We only had, you know, a bit over 100,000. And we said to him, you know, we'll give you this, this footage to use because we think it's really exceptional if you could explain the scientific, um, you know, reason behind what happens. And, you know, him being smart, he thought, wow, this is amazing footage. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> so he released that video explaining the Magnus effect and, and also some real-world applications, and it blew up. Like I think it, it, it got to like 30 million views in like a week. And we were... We put out a video at the same time just with the spin and it got, you know, I think it's got a three or four or five million. Um, and it, it probably just alerted us to the fact that people like seeing cool things. It doesn't have to be a successful trick shot. Like lot, experiments are interesting. You know, if you, can, if you can really get people's curiosity going, um, that can make for really good content that can do really well. And part of us was Devo that we didn't have the video on our channel that got 30 million views because we were like, that's so big. Like we've had nothing that's got even close to that. But the other part of us was just like, wow, it's given us a lot of exposure. We've got a lot of new subs. 
And also it's given us this idea of we can do some different types of content that isn't just trick shots. And so um, it was probably the first experiment we did, but that probably in a, in a way led to us then dropping bowling balls on trampolines and you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff like that. So with the Veritasium, did you keep in touch afterwards? Are you still doing stuff with Derek or...? Yeah, we did. We did keep in touch with him, um, and we did a few collaborations since. Every time we had something that we thought, um, you know, maybe could have some sort of explanation um, that uh, that he could offer, we'd, we'd reach out to him. Um, we, we probably decided to release the footage first on our channel <laughs> before we explored those things a little bit because of that first experience. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been good. And I think at that time, because we weren't that big, we didn't have that many subscribers, we actually – we probably thought the only way we could really grow and grow fast was to do collaborations. So we used to be always trying to reach out to big creators and see if there was a way we could collaborate or do a video with them because, you know, we, we were seeing all these people getting a lot of subscribers. Even though we were getting reasonable views, we weren't growing that much. Mm. I think collaborations for us were like, you know, this saviour that we were hoping to, to get to that would help us get to that next level and, um, in a way, it did help, and those little boosts were important. But ultimately, our growth came from making, you know, really successful content, not necessarily just collaborating. And speaking of collaborations, do you collaborate with any like local creators there, where you are? Not really. No, we haven't really. I guess for us, um, there's probably none, none in Perth that we've ever felt a great connection with or enough similarity with content. Um, to, to pursue it. but certainly we're we're always open. I mean, we've done collaborations with people all across the world. Sometimes it's remotely where you both make content and sort of link it together. Other times now we start traveling a bit more and we work, but I mean, for the right creator and the right reason, we'd collaborate with probably anyone anywhere. Yeah. But when now we haven't done any local stuff. Do you know the guys from young bloods? Yeah, I do actually. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I've had some good communication with him and with Brody. I remember a little while ago, cause I'm big into fishing and he lives in a part of the world up North that I, I love a lot. I love, and I've been there a lot. It's one of my favourite parts of Australia and the world. So um, when his channel started doing well, I remember reaching out to him and just encouraging him and letting him know that if he needed any, you know, wanted any advice or insights about, you know, we were a pretty big channel at that time, that you know, feel free to ask. But I mean, credit to him, he didn't he didn't ask for any advice. He just went for it and he's now doing really well. And, um, yeah, we're actually hoping to do some stuff with him maybe next year. Um, man, I would so watch that video. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love... Like, so I love fishing and I love to do way more fishing videos than we do, um, but it's not hugely our vibe, but we might start sort of expressing that a bit more in our videos next year. And I think we'd love to do a, you know, do a camping trip with him or just do some fun fishing challenges. I think it'd be really cool. And, um, yeah, for me, I mean, I, I'd do that without cameras on. So <laughs> happily do it with cameras as well. Brett, when you're talking about changing your content up and particularly you guys in the, the challenge type space yeah does it just mean like is it an endless battle for bigger meaning better like what's i mean that's part of it and i think part about the reason we stood out as a creator um or have stood out as a creator through our years and why we've grown is because we've been willing to go bigger even if it means investing you know lots of time or investing money or whatever it is like it's you know to stand out is really important on youtube because everyone's trying to make it um but yeah I don't know. It's been a, it's been a really interesting one, and to be honest, um, yeah. If you think about going bigger forever, it's quite daunting because you know it's it's almost like everything you've ever done before needs to be smaller than what you've got in the future in order to succeed. And you know, we're seeing people like Mr. Beast who are obviously being really successful at the moment by taking things to extreme levels and giving away extreme amounts of money. And you know, it's it's always hard to think. Is that sustainable? Can you actually continue to go bigger and better nonstop all the time? And I, and I don't think you can, honestly. I think there is a limit to um, what you can do. You can always do bigger sometimes, but I don't think you can go bigger all the time. Um, it's just not possible. And I think that's why we stopped doing trick shots as well because um, we've just done so many extreme ones. Like if we look back at our you know, highlights reel of our trick shots, I'm like, man, we'll struggle to ever do anything better than those. And we don't want to underwhelm people. We want to make sure people are still entertained and not bored. So that's why you try new things. And, yeah, it is hard because ultimately you go, oh, I want to continue to go bigger, but then you reach a point where that may not be that possible. And for us, I think 
we made a conscious choice um, probably three or four years ago to go to longer content, start expressing our personalities a lot more in videos because our trick shots were literally just montages of throwing basketball into hoop, kicking soccer ball, hitting target, whatever. There was no personality. And I think that's why we didn't grow it because people didn't know us, Mm. no loyalty to to us at all because we were just, you know, creating this uh, montage of content for them. I think developing our personalities has been really big for our channel. And now, you know, we're far more successful with almost whatever we do because of that rather than it being because of what we're doing. That makes sense. That, that's interesting you mentioned that success based on personality. Um, so how did that how did that fan engagement happen? And like, how do you engage more with your fans now? Part of it probably stemmed from um, we actually did a collaboration with a channel called What's Inside from the US, who literally just cut stuff open the dad and um, dad and son, and they they were coming to Australia, and we reached out to them and did a collab because they were a lot bigger than us. And I remember he had a, a Dan that the dad had a bit of contact with YouTube and had a, a partner manager because I was quite big and he was talking about watch time and, and audience retention and just sort of things that were value, valued on the platform and we didn't know anything about that. So it sort of alerted us to the fact that actually, you know, having longer videos and getting longer engagement, uh, more engagement and getting more comments and likes and, and so that was probably a big change for us was just, okay, let's make longer videos. Let's start being a bit more open about the process um, because it was always happening. We're always making jokes and having fun and, you know, setting things up, but we just never filmed it because we didn't think it was important. So then we started, when we did videos, we started actually setting it up and, um, you know, introducing it and having some jokes. And um, one of the things we did pretty early on in, this was about 2017 when we started making, I guess, more vloggy type videos, um, was we, I had this idea of coming up with, a way to utilize comments and particularly the pinned comment because that was a new feature that YouTube brought out. And I thought that's actually a pretty exclusive space, you know, to have a comment that's pinned at the top. Like that's that's pretty good real estate, as, as Scott would said, I would say. So we came up with this idea of a comment contest, which we sort of abbreviated to a contest. And I think the video we first released it on was a, a dart video where we were doing, we we're trying to skip a dart off for um, pallets and then get a bullseye. And the, the question was simply how many goes will it take us uh, to get this bullseye? Um, and at that point, I reckon we would have got a few hundred comments at best. Um, we probably had half a million subscribers or something like that. So it wasn't many comments and not much interaction. And I think in that video alone, our first time we ever did it, we got 20,000 comments of people literally commenting numbers basically. Um, and that video... Um, actually performed pretty well. Like it went beyond what we were currently getting. I think it got half a million views in about a day or two, which was really unusual. Um, We used to rely on trying to get ESPN to feature our trick shots or get, you know, get videos featured on websites with existing fan bases to try and get views. You know, that's why we had to do world records. We needed to try and get mainstream reach to get views. But I think that that video obviously sort of, you know, flicked a switch um, on YouTube and it was like, wow, 28,000 comments, like something's happening here and the views went up and it encouraged us, okay, let's, you know, let's do this every video. Let's uh, let's come up with a question. It can be about a video, it can be about anything. Let's get some comments. Um, you know, we've started engaging with fans a lot more. People did um, send through ideas and we would put them up on the screen and, you know, it was a way of sort of developing that and um, the contest has since evolved and now, you know, there was a phrase that, we ended up using called Will Pinya, where basically, you know, if you get the right answer, like Will Pinya, meaning Will Pinya comment. And, you know, now we get fans that just submit heaps of videos of them saying Will Pinya, where, you know, on roller coasters or in front of the Statue of Liberty or wherever. Um, sometimes they're wearing our merch and it's become a bit of a brand thing. And the cool thing was it all happened organically. And, um, yeah, it's, it's funny how those things happen. But I guess my encouragement to creators out there is try things, you know, if it, Works and it kicks off like roll with it you know and keep doing it until maybe it doesn't work or you get sick of it was that hard for you guys to put so much of yourself into these videos all of a sudden like it right now like it's for, for me when i watch your, your videos it's like three boys having a, a great time and yeah. you, you almost happen to be doing something interesting as well but yeah before that when it was all just trick shots and you guys yeah. were the 
meat puppets doing it um, yeah. and then flipping up. <laughs> well, yeah, probably fair. that's a bit bit harsh, but, um, you know, to be, ex- to be extreme, well. like to actually put yourselves and your personality like, what, that seems very authentic um, and you can attest to that or not, what, was that hard yeah. for you guys to suddenly be on camera uh, like, as yourself? Um, I think it, it's not hard for us to be ourselves and certainly what you see is what you get. And I mean, people probably say that and they may not, may not be telling the truth, but for us, we find it really easy because it is literally just ourselves. Like we've been friends since we were kids. So it's really easy for us to just muck around and have fun and, and we're in a real groove. So I think now it's really easy. Um, I think at the start it was hard because we weren't used to it and you'd sort of, you weren't hard, you, you weren't sure how to be uh, natural and, you know, you sort of hold the camera and it was a bit clunky and you'd still sort of try and present because for your whole life you've grown up watching TV and all these things which are very scripted and very, you know, um, presented that you feel like you've got to replicate that. But I think we realised that actually, no, people love YouTube because it's real and, often the takes we'll keep are the ones where we stuff it, you know, like it's, that, that's funny. And um, being, being slick and being, um, you know, really um, good with your words. It's funny. I was trying to think of a better word, but the irony is I couldn't <laughs> think of the right word, but um, yeah, you don't need to be, um, you know, coming up with a, all these great words all the time. You can actually just be yourself and muck around and, and people will get on board with it. And um, probably what really highlighted that for us is we did a, um, and, and hopefully lots of people don't know this and I'm a bit nervous to even share it, to be honest, but we did a series with Disney XD in 2015 uh, and it was sort of when we first decided to take the plunge and do it for a job. So we quit our jobs. Um, we decided we're going to pursue Howard because we didn't have any real guaranteed revenue. We're going to do it. And um, Disney XD approached us. They said, we want to do this series on your YouTube channel and on Disney XD uh, in Foxtel in Australia. Do all these trick shots. We'll do 12 episodes and, Anyway, we did it and it was a huge learning experience for us because we we were having to be on camera a lot and this was before we'd done this on the channel. So we were super awkward. Like if you go back and watch some of the episodes on our channel, like it's just so bad. Um, <laughs> it's so forced. It's so cringy. And, and we got, you know, well and truly slayed on our channel in the comments for it. And right so because it wasn't us, it was, it was someone telling us what to say and there was a script and, you know, it was, it was no good. But I think we learned from that actually like to be ourselves and to say the things we say and use the phrases we use, um, that's the best way for us to act because then it's it's not effortless but it's pretty close to it and we can just click a switch, here we go, we're making a video, uh, let's have a lot of fun, let's go. That's great. Um, now, you, you mentioned before about uh, your, you know, you had fans sending you for, like pictures using your merch or in your merch and um, – I think you got a, you guys have a very unique approach to merch and how you do yeah. it. Do you want to tell us how that all started and, and how that grew? Yeah, well, I mean, ironically, we actually started making merch probably 20, 2012, I reckon, when we had a logo and um, we first got a logo and we're getting all official with a website. And we, we bought heaps of shirts. We got them screen printed and, you know, we sold like a couple of hundred. I think I've still got some of the initial 300 batch. So <laughs> that was our first foray at merch, um, which could work for some people. For us, we probably just didn't have the fan base to actually make it worthwhile. But then once once our brand started growing and our channel grew, we realised that actually having having merch was, was a cool opportunity to give our fans to represent us. And, you know, a bit like everyone wants to wear their sports team colours or shirt or jersey or whatever, you know, it's a cool way for people to sort of be a part of the team. Um, and so, yeah, we, we work with a company um, where they basically do all of the, um, the logistics of it all. We work with them on designs and then they print and ship and do all that, which is awesome. But, um yeah, I think our, our um, attitude has always just been let, let's continue to release merch regularly. Let's um, come up with different brands. And like the 44 brand is um, is something that we've developed once again, a bit like the Will Pinya, very organic. Um, it came about through um, a video a while ago. I was thinking when bottle flips are a thing. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it makes sense about the merch. So we made this bottle flip video and at the very end of it, you know, we were making these vloggy sort of style videos and we wondered, is anyone still watching? You know, and we got to this outro and we're sort of sitting under a bridge filming this thing and I think Scott's like, is anyone even still here? Like, are we talking to ourselves? Like, what's the point of this outro, basically? 
And he said, my favorite number is 44, so comment 44 in the comments if you're still here. <laughs> then I said, you know, without really thinking, 44 club, get around it, you know, and then the video finished. <laughs> Had thousands of people commenting 44, 44 club, and it, it sort of evolved into this thing of a bit like Fire Club almost. It's like you, you only know if you're in it if you know, you know what I mean? Um, so you only know if you're in the 44 club until you watch to the very end, and it's sort of a, it's a testament to our fans that, aren't just there for the one big moment. They're there for the whole journey. They're there for the personalities. They're there because they like us. And um, So naturally when we started doing merch, we thought, you know, 44s, that's got to be a, a big thing. It's fan-driven. Will Pino, we've got to get that on merch. Um, you know, a lot of our merch doesn't have our logo on it at all. It's almost like separate to it. And, um, yeah, I think we've, we're really happy with it and we, you know, thankfully a lot of people around the world are, are buying it and we're shipping across the globe, which is pretty funny that all these – Fans all over walking around the place with 44 Club written on the shirt. What's, what's that like now that like you can actually, you know, you've got a great merch line, you've got the ability to earn money from what you love doing. Like what, what's it like to be a professional creator? Do you think of yourself as a professional creator? Yeah, we definitely do now. Um, I, I said it before, but we, you know, in 2015, we decided that we couldn't do this as a hobby anymore. You know, this is just, it's too taxing. We, like, I was married. Scott was, Scott was about to be married. We had, you know, work, we had responsibilities, we had things we were involved in, whether it's church or whatever, and sporting clubs. And it was just, it was hard to get together and film stuff. And we sort of realised that, you know, it's been six years, but if we don't make it, take a risk here, like it's going to just sort of pitter out into nothing. Mm. Decided, like, let's quit our jobs, let's let's take a risk, let's give it a year um, and let's see what it could become. And we, we decided let's do it three days a week. We kept other jobs for two days just to give us some, you know, consistent money to help us survive. And thankfully in that first year, you know, it, it did way better than we thought and we were able to basically give ourselves a year's worth of income and we then increased it to four days and then um, after a couple of years we then increased it to five days and now we're able to, now we've got people that work for us. We've got a full-time editor. We'll bring on another person next year to help with production and stuff like that and, yeah, in a way, it's it's been a bit of a blur, but I I remember really um, clearly like just the feeling of like this is just such a big risk. Like, you know, people are prepared to take risks um, in things that aren't that big, but when you're quitting a job um, and you're starting saying that you may not earn any money, like everyone understands the pressure of that, particularly if you've got a, a wife at home who's you know aware of what you're doing. Um, and I was really nervous. I was really um, not maybe not nervous, but I was just aware that this was a real step of faith for us, and we had to really just believe in it, give it our best shot, and then at the end of the day, if it didn't work out, that's fine because we'd rather get five years down the track and at least have given it a go than wonder what if. And now that we're here, I'm like, oh, how devastating would it have been if we didn't take that first risk and that first step because, you know, it's so much fun. We get to travel the world. We get to do um, you know, really fun things all the time. I get to hang out with my two best mates um, every day and we get to just dream up crazy things and pull them off. You know, what an awesome way to make a living. What an awesome job that we get to do. But we've only got, we're only at this, at this point because of all the difficult steps we've taken and all the risks that we've taken. And I think that's a big lesson for anyone starting out who wants to make it a career. Like you've got to really be willing to put in the time and effort um, not take setbacks um, lightly, but, you know, push through them. But also, you know, take risks because if you don't take risks, I think you, you're going to play it safe and anyone who's gotten anywhere on YouTube hasn't gotten there by playing itself safe, I don't reckon. Great advice. Great. Uh, question about the three of you guys, though, going through that and sticking yep. it out together. Was that yep. – and the, the flipping of the switch from three mates hanging out, having fun, to flicking it to this is – something we're going to take seriously yep. for our livelihoods has that yep. did that put some strain or or, or change the dynamic at all or you, like is that something you guys had to work at to keep prof- the professionalization of of how ridiculous and also keep being mates because we were such good friends for a long time it really helped like i can imagine if you start a channel with people you didn't know that well or it was a new relationship like i can imagine that we would have had a lot of issues but we probably took that step in 2015 of quitting our jobs um because we knew how well we got on and that was a really important thing for us because we knew we were then going to go into business together 
And when you start aiming to then make money together to make a living, like things can get really sticky if you're not all on the on a really similar page. Um, so I went in knowing that these guys um, had great hearts, that even in our differences we were able to resolve them well, and even if we didn't agree on something, you know, we would find a way to work through it um, amicably and, and, and maintain our friendship. And I don't think we've ever had any point in the last four years since doing it that we've ever been close to it really affecting our friendship. We've just got a really solid relationship um, and... You know, I think there's a, there's lots of reasons for that. I think, you know, we have very similar values. I mentioned we all went to the same church, so we're all um, – our, our Christian faith is massive for us. And I think, you know, that's a, that's something that gels us together. It's beyond – it's sort of – it's it's a part of our worldview. And what it mean, what that means is that it, it means it's the way we see everything, you know. So even if the channel's struggling, it's not all down in the dumps. It's like it's all right. We've still got hope. We've still got life. Like it's, it's okay. Um, and I think having – having those shared beliefs has been massive for us. Um, and I can imagine when people have different values in lots of different ways, that could bring great attention. Um, but, yeah, I think thankfully we've been able to, we've been able to go really well. I think, um, you know, at this point we're as close as we've ever been. We probably don't hang out as much outside of work, I would say now, but it's because we're hanging out five days a week. <laughs> you know, you're basically hanging out all the time. So it's not like you, you get to a weekend and you're like, oh, let's catch up with them. It's like, well, I've spent all week with them, you know. Um, so it, our relationship has changed a little bit um, in that sense that we hang out more when we're working than when we don't. But, you know, that's – I think I count that as a bit of a privilege more than a more than a loss. Can I – can I ask if, if while when hanging out, you know, traveling the world together, have you ever, you know, you do all these challenges, but have you ever been in a really, uh, like a hairy situation, like it's gotten really out of hand? I mean, we certainly had things go wrong, but never anything that's been like, you know, massive. Um, and, and I think we're pretty thankful for that because particularly when, you dro- when you're throwing basketballs off dams and, you know, trying to make sure you're communicating all the time and, you know, you, you've got to know when the next one's coming down and all that sort of stuff, I think. Yeah, that's when it, you know, there's a bit on the line and I think safety is something people think we don't take that seriously because of the way we're easygoing Australians. But the truth is we work really hard to make sure that everything we do is um, is really safe and, um, yeah, with as little risk as possible. You know, it's it's not something we'd ever risk our lives for, that's, that's for sure. Um, but I think probably, the, I mean, the hairiest is probably when you're doing those basketball shots and, I mean, our, our world record now is 200 metres off this waterfall in Africa, which is just mm. I never thought we'd ever do something that big. But, you know, probably my favourite video we've ever made is from that trip and we vlogged the whole thing um, and it ended up taking us six days to make this shot. Um, so it shows, you know, sort of how you need to put in sometimes and persevere through failure in order to succeed. But it also shows some near misses where, you know, you're sitting on the ground watching this basketball come in. And you know, it literally lands right where you sit, where you're sitting, and you don't really know that until it's probably 20, 30 meters away. That's going to land right on you, and you've got to dodge it. And I think they're probably the hairiest things we've ever had to deal with. Um, but thankfully, because of our experience in doing this sort of videos, we're really confident in managing that well. And I certainly wouldn't encourage anyone to go out and give it a go if you've never done that before, because it is a bit of an art. Was there ever a challenge that you thought, I don't think we're going to get, we're going to make it? Like we just you've hit down the road and it's just not going to go in or? Yeah, there, there has been. I mean, that, that one in Africa was was definitely one of them. I mean, we had seven days to make this shot. Um, our previous world record in Switzerland we'd, we'd made on Derek's third attempt in the first morning. It was only 20 metres smaller. So I think that one was tough because we got to the end of day five and we thought we've got two more days here. We've been missing for five days. There's a good chance we're not going to make it. And we had to think, gee, like, what are we going to do for a content? Like how are we going to make a video out of this? And we ended up deciding that we'd just make the video anyway, even if we didn't make it, we'd still tell the story. Um, so that's probably been the closest we've been to thinking we're not going to make it, but then making it. Uh, whereas there's been a couple of instances where we've taken on a challenge, put in days and days, and then realised actually this is, it's actually so unlikely it's not that smart. <laughs> so for, I'll give you a couple of examples. One was, um, we made this um, bottle rocket, like, you know, the ones they make in science class where it's like a little Coke bottle. But we wanted to make a super-sized one that could shoot a basketball in the air. So we got one of those office cooler sort of big, big bottles and we got um, help with one of the guy's dads to make 
this, um, you know, pressurized, you sort of put a compressor to it and pumped it up to high pressures and then pulled a trigger and it launches basketballs like 50, 60, 70 metres in the air, like really high. But it just goes randomly, you know, because it's just so pressurised and it's just a bottle going in the air. There's very little consistency, whereas when you're throwing it off a cliff, you can have like a similar line at least pack yourself in. And I reckon we put in... I don't know, five or six probably full days over a period of months trying to get this in. I don't think we even hit, hit the hoop. And I think in the end we decided actually this is so random in terms of the the trajectory that actually it's when it's not that it would never happen, but we've only got a limited time at, at, at that point to make videos. Like we can't just keep, continue to sink. So we actually decided to move on. I like to think it wasn't giving up. It was more just thinking smart. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Brett, we always get our guests to share their top top three tips with uh, creators. Um, so yep. from your decade of YouTube creating, what, what sort of what three pearls of wisdom have you got for, for creators? I mean, number one, I would say from our journey, the, the biggest tip is just, just persevere. You know, if you really want it, if, if it's something you're really chasing after, don't give up. We did it for six years before it was a, a part-time job, you know, and thankfully not everyone has to follow that journey because it's it's a better platform now, but that'd be my probably my first tip. Um, yeah, my second tip would be surround yourself with a really good team. Um, I can't imagine doing it alone. It would be really lonely, and I, I do actually feel for people out there who are creators who are solo, and, um, you know, I reckon it would be really difficult with no one to bounce things off and no one to sort of help you out when, you, when you're struggling. Um, so surround yourself with a really good team of people who are really like-minded and people you can get on really well with and um, and work through conflict well with. I think that's massive. Um, um, and third, I think, honestly, just make sure you enjoy it. I think that's that's a really big thing. And, you know, we get a lot of kids and a lot of people saying they want to be YouTubers and, you know, I get that's a bit of a, a, bit of a popular thing to aspire to be now. But, you know, for us, we didn't ever want to be YouTubers. We just did what we did because we really enjoyed it. Um, and it was real passion of ours, um, and we did it a long time for no money and no fame. So I think if you can find something that you, you really love to do, you're more likely to persevere, you're more likely to actually succeed in rather than trying to figure something out and force it. So, yeah, that's probably my my three tips. That's awesome advice. The other thing is I think there should be some comment and we'll pin you. Um, but I think that belongs to you, Brett. So Do you want me to, come, do you want me to give a question? It's up to, well, you. It's up to you. It's, it's, your, uh, it's your thing, mate. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll drop a contest. It, it only seems fair. Uh, let's go with um, who's your favourite YouTuber or YouTube creator uh, and why? And we'll pick one and we'll pin you. We'll pin you. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, mate. appreciate it. Well, Brett from no How Ridiculous, thanks so much for hanging out with us at Creator Generation. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been good. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. And are you inspired to go and do a challenge? Every time I record a podcast with you, Fred, is a challenge. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you survived this challenge. Until next week, see you later. Bye. Bye.